Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. I'm your host, Sean Brown, once again. And today joining us, we have Katie Hughes from The Photo Editive. Katie and I go a few years back. We, I think we met at the first push conference. We knew each other through the wide world of social media before then. And Katie has been nothing less than a lifesaver in my business. And the reason I say that is because The Photo Editive is the service that I use for all of my photo retouching and editing, and it has saved me immense amounts of time and sanity, to say the least. So um, we'll kind of break into this, but I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today, dive into her story kind of about why she started the photo editive, her journey, and all of that stuff. So welcome to the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast, Katie. Thanks, Sean. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So tell the viewers who are listeners who don't know about you a little bit about your story, how you got started with the photo editive, and just kind of general about who you are and and your life so far. Perfect. Thanks. I started as um, into photography in about 2009, and I quickly um, specialized with seniors. At the time, I my two oldest sons, who are twins, were seniors. Well, actually, they were juniors, going to be seniors. And having done photography my whole life, I actually researched some photographers and then made kind of a decision that I could pay them or I could invest in equipment and do them myself. So not a lot of people know that that's kind of how I got my start. So rather than pay a photographer, I took that money and invested in some new equipment. And they were my first high school seniors. I didn't realize at the time that that would be a specialty that I would start and stay with for the next 10 years, 10 plus years. So we lived in California and over the course of many years, I developed a thriving high school senior photography business. I, I, I photographed probably 60 to 80 seniors a year, um, found myself working more than full-time hours, but I loved it. So I just, I kept doing it. Um, but when you're a one-man show, you know how it is. It's tough. It, it's tough. To and say the least, yes. everything, go ahead. To say the least, it's tough, yeah. Yeah. You're wearing every hat that is, um, is available. And so I did that from about 2010 until 2017, where I kind of hung up my camera straps and put everything on the wall because in 2016 we made a move from California to Salt Lake City and I had a big decision to make. I had to decide whether or not I was going to relaunch a business in Salt Lake City or if I was going to um, do something else. So I spent some months kind of taking time to see what was what I felt like but the one thing that I found the most difficult in all those years in California keeping on top of was editing. And so I kept going back to that. And one afternoon I was editing some senior sessions and I thought, you know, this has to be something that other photographers could use. Because I think about all the times that I would have, I'm sorry, I'm getting a phone call before it goes. I apologize. Real life here, folks. I know, I apologize. Um, I do, I still have a business that's happening <laughs> as we speak. I found that um, the one thing that, that bogged me down was editing. It took up so much of my time, and I didn't find myself happy when I was doing it. 
And um, so rather than relaunch a photography business in Salt Lake, that is where the photo editive, that was where it was born. It was kind of one afternoon in the car driving this idea that came to me and I spent the next couple months setting up a website, doing some market research, things like that, and reached out to a couple of photographers to see if they would be interested. And from there, it just, it started growing. And I realized how big the need was in the industry. Absolutely. So, so talk us through, you, you say you didn't like editing and then all of a sudden you're jumping into an editing business. What does that thought process look like? Cause I'm sure a lot of people are like, she didn't like editing. Now she's jumping full scale into an editing <laughs> business. How does that happen? Let, let me probably reword what I said. I enjoy editing. I did not enjoy the hours it took me. Gotcha. To yes. I think All of those. Many photographers I, yes. I actually love working in Photoshop. I love the transformation of images. I love seeing the before and the final. And I love doing that. I, I, I don't know that I would have ever given it up except for the sheer number of hours that it takes. And I found myself more times than I'm willing to admit, I had a, an ordering appointment at 3 p.m. and at noon I was starting to, yep. to do their, their gallery. And that kind of stress is, like, nobody needs that kind of stress. And I found it happening over and over again. So I do love to edit. I don't, I did not enjoy the time that it took in my photography business, just because I had so many other things to do. When I launched the photo editive and it grew and it got big enough, I, I hung, I put my camera away. I pretty much decided I had to choose one or the other. And I actually look forward to sitting and sitting all day, some days, long days, but I do enjoy it. And I love to see the end result. Yes. So, so talk us through a little bit about why you believe that photographers or creatives should be outsourcing. And let's not say just editing. Let's just say outsourcing kind of as a, as a whole process and kind of why do you think that that's the right move for, for creatives or why isn't it? Perfect. Well, in a, when you're an entrepreneur and you're doing things by yourself, you are the key resource to your business and you only have 24 hours, the same as everybody else. And when you're the key resource, there's things in a business that only, you can do so you can only do the photography you can really only do your marketing to some extent um, that that touches on your specific client base and your client communication and your customer service is really best done by you or with your hand in it then you start looking at so when you start looking at being the key resource to your business you have to look at things um, that are scalable in your business, what you can let go of that nobody else will notice, and what, how you can leverage your time. So if you need, you find yourself saying, I need more time, like I, I, we all say it, I need more hours in the day, there's a way you can get those back. It's just a matter of leveraging the resources that you have and allowing other people to do things that nobody else will notice. So. Chances are, if somebody else starts answering your phone, your clients are going to notice that you outsourced your yes. customer service. But behind the scenes, nobody notices that somebody else edited your images, especially when you find a good editor and a good flow and things so that your output looks just like what you would do. So let's talk about the big 
obstacle that I think people have, which is a fear that if they let go of that editing or they let go of, let's say they're outsourcing email production or they're outsourcing um, video editing in some cases, like I outsource a lot of my video editing for my own marketing purposes. Mm -hmm. A lot of people might say, sit back and say, well, that's not, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm the one in charge of my business that people are paying me. If I am not in every step of the process, that is, it's almost um, like deceiving to your clients in a way. If people would say that it's not truly your artwork, what is your, kind of your response to people who feel like if they're not involved, that it's not truly theirs? If you look around you in all marketing and everything that we take in as consumers, it's not all done by one person. A clothing designer designs the clothes, but she doesn't sew the clothes, she doesn't manufacture the clothes, and she really doesn't have a whole lot of her hand in the end product. But she was the designer and it was her vision. And I believe that photography starts with the camera in the photographer's hand and their vision. And so there are, there are not businesses that are successful that do it all themselves. It's really, it, it just, it doesn't happen because nobody, I live by the motto, um, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yes. So I don't doubt that every photographer that I work with is a really good editor, but you can't do everything. So you pick and choose the things that either you do best or that are most important and key in your business. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that um, I kind of equated to having everyone um, kind of says that they are the CEO of their photography business. And that's, that's another topic because unless you're, you know, as a sole proprietor by, or LLC, you technically are not a CEO, but a lot of people say that they want to be the CEO yet they're so afraid of letting things go. And right. you kind of, you mentioned it, it's the, the clothing designer. Um, you know, when Steve Jobs launched Apple, he wasn't mm -hmm. the one really putting together the computers. He was handling other things, marketing, taking big orders from huge companies and having other people put together the computers, code the coats. He had the vision, but he wasn't necessarily the one doing it. And so I think that's a great piece of advice is that, it's really your vision that matters. So as long as you're executing on that vision, whether it's having somebody else edit your photos or um, you know, respond to inquiry, whatever it might be, as long as you're accomplishing that bigger vision, mm -hmm. that's kind of the direction that you need to be moving in as a photographer. Absolutely. And finding the right people to work with is the number one priority because everybody that you work with has to have the same vision and somewhat the same passion that you do to see your business succeed. And so like Steve Jobs with clothing designers, they surround themselves with like individuals, people that have the same drive, that have the same work ethics, and really have, um, especially in photography, have the same eye for seeing things. Um, my, the editing process for me doesn't do anything until that photograph is taken. I don't have anything to work with until the photographer has a vision. And then I take the time to get to know the photographer by looking at their social media, by talking to you. Uh, you and I have worked out a very, uh, very specific workflow for your images. And 
because of that, the end result looks like your vision. And so it is picking in and choosing and surrounding yourself with people that have that, you know, the, the same view and the same, um, the same outlook in business. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about finding those teammates, building that team. What do you feel like are good things to look for when you're building a team? I, I'm, I'm just in the process of launching a, a marketing campaign right now on tips for success in outsourcing um, and the way a photographer can be successful for outsourcing. One of the biggest things we hear, and we have all been, are guilty of saying it when we take a, a picture, is I can fix that later. Mm-hmm. And if you are looking to outsource your editing, that like has to come out of your vocabulary. Because when you say, I can fix that later, it's just dollar signs down the road. Because yes, Photoshop can fix just about anything, but as in life, everything that takes time generally costs money. And so the more we start to stop, you know, we try to get it right in camera. So one of my biggest tips, my number one tip was becoming, techni- becoming a technical photographer, making sure that your images are coming out of your camera with your vision. I can't see it. I can't see into your head to know what your vision is, but I can see it when it comes out of your camera correctly. And so um, if we're talking about looking for an editor, you want to find an editor that kind of sees things the same way you do. Photography, like most art mediums, ranges from here to here. (laughs) So from color tone, I don't have much in the screen, from color tones to, you know, every aspect. And so... I will be the first to talk to a photographer and see their style and say, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to match your style because your style and my style are really worlds apart. And I'm going to have a hard time seeing that vision. And I'm not afraid to talk to a client about that and just say, you know, I'm not sure that I'm going to be your best fit. Some photographers, editing is so important because their outcome, um, they do a lot of post-processing. For their images and so that is their creative process and that's actually what sells them as a photographer so they out when they try to outsource that's really difficult because they do so much on totally. the, the post-processing end so surrounding your you know finding people one you want to look for somebody that has the same style I think work ethic is another one if you hit the ground running every morning you want to surround yourself with people that hit the ground running every morning. Um, and then look for reputation and reviews from other, other clients. Totally. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. For those that are thinking about getting started with outsourcing, what are maybe like the top three tips that you are top three questions that you might ask an editor before starting with them? You're kind of talking about those tips for success. You talked a little bit about you know, getting it straight out of the camera for, you know, photographers shooting the image, what, are, what should photographers be asking their editors or, or those companies that they're looking to start editing with to make sure that they're setting themselves up for success right from the start? Of course. So I think that you need to ask your editor about their uh, first cost always becomes a number one issue for most photographers because they're looking at their bottom line and anytime you outsource it, 
On paper, it looks like it cuts into your bottom line. You really have to then, and we can talk about this in a little bit, but you really have to look at what you gain from, from you know, you have to spend money to make money. So um, cost is important. And then remembering that you pay, you get what you pay for. So generally cost is based on the amount of time that's going to be spent. Um, the second is turnaround time. And you have to make sure that that is in line with what your clients expect. So outsourcing requires more time. And so you need to build that into what your client expectation is. So if you're telling your client that you shoot on a Tuesday and by Friday they'll have their images, probably outsourcing isn't going to work for you because you aren't going to find anybody. It's rare to find somebody that will turn, you know, turn something around that quickly that you can consistently deliver in that short time period. It happens. We turn things around quickly, but it doesn't always happen consistently that quick. Um, so cost, um, turnaround time. The other thing is reviews from other photographers that use that editor, but also portfolio. See what the style is of that editor because you're asking us to have your vision. So I need to be able to have your eyes in, in some regard. I have to be able to see things the way you see them. And I try the best I can, but I'm still... Our brains are funny that way. We still go back to the things we like. Yes. So if I see an image, for instance, that seems like it has a lot of red tones in it, I tend to want to reduce those reds. Some photographers like to keep that. So I have to keep myself in check sometimes knowing that this photographer likes those red tones. So I have to, you know, kind of. And so I am constantly evaluating people's social medias and to see what style they are. If I'm ever concerned about like, am I taking out too much red or things like that, I will jump over to my phone, take a look at their Instagram. And that's usually a good indication of what they want. So behind the scenes, I do, I do that a lot. I jump on to see what, what they want. Um, another suggestion I have is be prepared to give sample images. Generally photographers, um, most photographers like to edit a handful of images. They like to give a sneak peek or they like to sit down, call a gallery, grab a few that they really like. That's the fun part. It doesn't become tedious until you're at 20, you 30, yeah. 40 images. But if you only have to sit down and you get to edit your five favorites to show your client, take those five favorites call your gallery and send them to an editor, but then it allows me to look at your sample images um, and, and compare to see what, what your vision was for that particular gallery. And it's important for every gallery to have the sample images. Generally, after I've worked with a photographer for a long period of time, that's not as, it's not as necessary, but I, if you provide sample images, I look at them. I think sometimes people think they just go by the wayside, but they don't. I, I take a look at them. So let's dive into a different question. So for you, you can, if, for those of you who are guys are watching on YouTube, you'll see Katie has a family of her portrait of her family behind her. Um, you're a big, big on family. So yes. why do you believe that, you know, setting up outsourcing is a need not only from a professional aspect, but also a personal aspect? And not just improving mm -hmm. your business, but improving your personal life as well. Exactly. 
I, I love to work hard, but I like to play hard. So, and I love spending time with the family and, and traveling and doing stuff that I like. So as we outsource um, anything, any aspect, whether it be your house cleaning, whether it be your editing, whether it's your bookkeeping, you are buying time for yourself. And I always, um, when I'm talking to people about outsourcing, there's two ways you can spend that time or you can split it up. You can put more back into your business or you can work less. So some people choose to outsource. I have, I work with photographers that they outsource so that they have more time to put back into their business. I work with a lot of photographers that outsource because they want to spend more time with their children. They have young kids at home. They find kids, kids pick up on this stuff. Mom is sitting behind the computer all day and night. Mm -hmm. And that is where the most guilt comes in is when you're like at home sitting behind the computer and you kind of have kids that are looking at you like, what, why are you sitting there? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, if you're out shooting, it's one thing, but if you're just sitting and, and editing and doing what is, and I mean, let's be honest, it's a tedious job. It really is, especially on image 35, 40, 45. It's, it's tedious. Um, you are able to be more present, whether it's for your family or it's for your business. So that is, that is my number one passion is, is that outsourcing, no matter what it is, allows you to be more present. And how you choose to be more present is up to you. Some people choose to be more present in their business. Some people choose to be more present in their families and relationships. So I'm a huge advocate of that. Yes. And I found when I was doing my business, that was my biggest guilty moments when somebody would walk in and go, are you almost done? Because I was sitting and editing and then I feel so bad. So for me, it was, I, I wished I had had an editor. I would have spent more time. I would have used that to spend more time with my family. I probably at that point wouldn't have taken on more clients. I would have spent more time at baseball games and things like that. So, yeah. or less 2 a.m. nights. Less so. 2 a.m. nights. I'm all for that right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I still went to all those things for my kids, but I did a lot of things at two in the morning. And that's so. kind of, you know, there's a stage for your business where that makes sense too. Mm -hmm. um, so, diving into that, you mentioned that you, if you, ha you wish that you had had an editor, even though you didn't, what's the best thing that you feel like you've ever done for your business? For my photography business or for my editing general. business? I'm just going to leave it open-ended. Yeah, you mentioned editor okay. or not having an editor was something you wish that you'd had for photography. What's something in just in general that you that you are you feel good about doing for your business, whether that be the mm -hmm. editing side or the photography side? Uh, yes. So when I was doing my photography business, I started outsourcing things. I wasn't, I, I, I didn't really realize that there were probably editors out there. I would have jumped. I, I, I would have been like on board, but I started outsourcing things that I could around my house, my house cleaning. I outsourced my bookkeeping. I hired an assistant for all of my shoots. Um, because although that didn't save me time, it saved me energy. Because I had somebody that was doing more of my heavy lifting or bringing stuff or running. So even though it wasn't saving me time, it was saving my energy. And so um, I, had a, I had a hired assistant and it was somebody that I paid per hour. Um, I wasn't interested in it being, for me, I wasn't interested in it being um, a helper. 
I, I paid them so that I never felt guilty for um, asking them to do things. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were my employee. I outsourced some of my cooking. <laughs> um, you know, there's all sorts of things we can do, but I did a lot of things that, and I never, ever, ever felt guilty about it because if it made my life a little bit easier and so when I came home, I was able to sit down with my children and my husband, that was fine. So those are the things I did in my photography business. With my editing business, I still do all of those same things because I think once you start, you can't stop. You realize how nice it is. So I still outsource all of those things. Um, but now that I'm in the outsourcing business, it's a little bit harder to outsource. But I do have um, on board two associate editors that work with me. Um, they're trained by me, every, but all three of us do everything the exact same way. Um, and so that has been my way of taking things off of my plate yeah. is doing that. And I just, I don't think you can go wrong when you let go of things. One of the biggest things that I, people get hung up on with outsourcing their editing is, and I found this in my photography business, that their clients will see the difference. I found over and over and over again, I would agonize over an image and that client would have never known the yep. difference. And I agonized over it for 30 minutes. And if I showed them the original, they couldn't see the difference. I could see the difference, but they couldn't see the difference. And the moment I realized that my clients really couldn't tell the difference in this edit and this edit, I was like, I am not agonizing over those images yep. anymore. I, it's happened to me. It's happened to pretty much everyone, I think. Yeah. Your client doesn't see it. Yes. You see it because you're being very, um, you're critiquing your own artwork. Your client doesn't see it. And that was like a moment for me in my photography business that I realized, wow, they don't care. So stop doing it. Do it on the images you're going to put on social media, but on those galleries that you're delivering, when they can't see the difference, then don't spend that time Yep. because they don't care. And it's not that they don't care. I should rephrase that. They I think it's that they don't, it. they're not trained like us to see it. Right. They just, they care about those images. They just don't see the differences that yep. we see. And so when photographers start to recognize that, I think it makes letting go and outsourcing a little bit easier because you recognize that your client's not going to, they're not going to see the difference. Yeah. So I think that's a great lesson. What is another really good lesson that you've learned from your business and what did you learn from it? I, let's see. I have learned that you have to take care of yourself and that you have to be easy on yourself <laughs> because when you are in an artistic and creative environment and then you're doing everything by yourself, you have to take care of yourself, give yourself time, build in that self-care, whether it's and just doing something that you enjoy, but also that you have to be easy on yourself. People aren't critiquing you as much as you think they are. Mm -hmm. And the easier you go on yourself, the happier you will be. And I think we all ebb and flow with that. 
but recognizing probably how little people actually think of you and critique you would help you at the end of the day when you sleep. Yes. They don't really, they're so worried about themselves. They're really not out there critiquing anybody else. (laughs) And I I always tell myself like, how often are you critiquing somebody? That's true for every aspect of life. Um, One of my, one of the stories I have around that is I was out to dinner with my girlfriend and we had ramen and I slurped one of the noodles a little too hard and I had some ramen on my shirt and I was like, I need to go. I I need to get a new shirt. This is like, everyone's going to see this huge drop of ramen. And my girlfriend just goes, what drop? Like, I don't see it. And so I think that speaks volumes to how we perceive ourselves versus Mm -hmm. how the world actually sees things and how something that might be really big in our head is Mm -hmm. very little in the grand scheme of things. And that's something I I agree. We always have to keep in mind. I agree. And when you work in a creative field, that is like, like that should be a priority. And the minute you start critiquing yourself and comparing yourself to other photographers, you should unfollow them. If they are inspiring you, you should follow them. But as soon as you are comparing yourself and telling yourself that you aren't as good as they are, then really you shouldn't be looking because you aren't helping yourself. So if I've learned anything, it is to let go of insecurities that you have because probably nobody's noticing the ramen spots on your shirt. So let go of it. Yeah. They're not noticing. And that ties right into the whole client thing. Let go of being hung up on what your clients see. They're probably not noticing it. You know, how many of you, we've all done sessions where in your head the whole time you're like, this is a disaster. (laughs) Like this, I don't like, I am afraid to look at my pictures because there's nothing has gone right. Yeah. And you and then, smiling and pretending. And then you get into the ordering session and it's like their absolute favorite image is your least favorite. And you're like, what is, the, what is happening in the world? Yeah. But you agonized that entire session. We've all done it. Like this is, this is like a nightmare. Or better yet, have you ever done a session where you're like, this, this is a nightmare nothing's going right. These pictures are terrible. And then gotten them to your computer and been like, wow, (laughs) these are awesome. You actually find some hidden gems in there. Right. Like you, because we, and so what it is, is you got into your own head during the session, telling yourself, this is a disaster. Some of my favorite images, I didn't realize would ever be my favorite in the camera. And And it happens to favorites in the camera weren't even sharp. Yeah. So It's yeah. Go easy on yourself. I love it. And I think going off of, of going easy on yourself, you know, um, it kind of, I think they go hand in hand going easy on yourself. Also, I think comes with a lot of self doubt. So Mm -hmm. how do you overcome self 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 doubt? If I can speak today, how do you overcome that self doubt to ultimately say, you know what, what I'm doing is okay. It, there's a, reason that this happened and that sort of thing. How do you overcome those somewhat negative thought processes behind, you know, whatever it might be, whatever you're facing self-doubt about? Yeah. Well, I found when I was doing photography, um, I, I would, I followed other photographers. I made myself feel less than what I was. I compared, I wasn't this, that or the other. 
once you start only look at you, you only compare yourself against you and you only invest those personal feelings in your clients. Then all of a sudden things, things start to change. I had so many girls over the course of all those years come in so lacking confidence and I took a look at him and thought, oh my God, this is going to be, the, the, she's beautiful. Like we, she may, she may not be her most beautiful self sitting in front of me right now, but we can work, you know, like we're going to make her look her best self. And when, after doing this session and doing the ordering session and seeing the happiness on their face and how she or he or she is so happy with their images, that is where you should be pulling all of your confidence is how well you connected with your clients, how well your, how happy your client was and the referrals that come from those clients. Um, I, in, in my experience over the course of those years, I found that the people that valued the photography the most were the, they were the least likely I would have picked out of a lineup. And those were my favorite clients. And that is, that is where I started to gain my confidence. Stop, stop comparing yourself to, in, to Instagram because Instagram is not always what it seems. No. <laughs> and Instagram is the best of the best of the best. And if I'm going to post a picture or if you're going to post a photo on there, you are going to make sure it's the best. There might be 25 behind it. I'm not quite the best. But I just say, I really just think you, you, the more you invest in your clients and their reactions and their happiness, your confidence as a photographer like goes through the roof. 100%. And that's why I say unfollow somebody who's not inspiring you. Yes. Because they're not helping you. And confidence these days, we, we didn't grow up in a time where we had social media that affected my confidence at 12 and 13. I can't even imagine. I mean, I didn't, have, I didn't have a lot of confidence anyway. I can't imagine if I was comparing myself on social media. So, man, these kids have it hard. Yeah. And it's, and it's our job to help them see what's real. And so... I say if you're, if you're lacking confidence in your photography, you're not looking at yourself enough and your yes. clients enough. And, and kind of one of the tips is, you know, I, people ask me, they're like, oh, like you don't follow that many people. And it, it, yeah, that's not for, it's, that's solely for me. The, mm -hmm. the reason I don't follow a lot is because if I, I know I've been in that cycle where you're constantly comparing yourself, where yeah. you look on Instagram and you say, I wish that I had that person's style. And mm -hmm. yet, all you have to do is click that tab that goes to your own profile and look back on your own work. And so mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I did was when I was feeling a little bit lost in having a style, I literally just went to my own page mm -hmm. and looked over my work, looked at what images I was really proud of producing and said, how can I replicate this? How can I do mm -hmm. this again? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of photographers look outward versus looking inward, just like you said. Mm -hmm. I, agree. I think that that's a great tip of overcoming self-doubt is stop looking externally for help and start looking internally. 
I start agree. looking at what you can do as a photographer, start looking at what you have done as a photographer and figure out how to make that happen time and time again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, I have seen recently some photographers that have posted in some of the forums on Facebook that you can tell they, they're not trying to keep up with the fads. They're not trying to keep up with the ever changing world of, of style and this and that or the other. And they will outwardly say, I care about my clients. And my clientele is not going to be that super high fashion. That isn't what they're going to pay for. So I can't market that on my Instagram because my clients aren't going to pay for it. And at the end of the day, if you don't have clients paying for your stuff, what are you doing? And so I, I think it is so refreshing to see a photographer that says, I, I can't keep up with that because my clients, that's not where they're at. And that tells me that photographer has her or his head in the game to see what's happening in their little neck of the woods and what is selling. And chances are that photographer is pretty confident yep. that, they've, that they have nailed it. And they're pretty confident in their photography. If you Absolutely. want to get that high style, that, um, that feeling that comes when you know, you've produced this amazing image, go to a workshop. <laughs> Like interact with other photographers, yes. go to a workshop, let Sean style. Cause we all know. Sean oh, don't let me style. Nope. You can ask Tara Rochelle about that. Don't let me style. <laughs> well, let, let whoever's let somebody else style that model. Yeah. And, and you photograph with Sean's vision or Tara's vision and walk away with some pretty incredible images. You never have to showcase them on your social media. If your clients don't want them. But build your confidence that way. But then at the end of the day, go back to the bread and butter. This is what my clients want. This is what I'm providing. And, you know, it's why the Toyota Corolla is still a big seller <laughs> because it's basic. It's, it provides what you need. It's not flashy. People still buy it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's true. Just, yeah. It, and so if you are feeling that need to fill your cup, go to, go to workshops. I think they're amazing. Yeah. We do and it really fills yeah. a key part. And we've, all, we've all gone to workshops that have been hugely inspiring and really shown us kind of the, the way. As really, it's like, do you need to go to workshops? No, you don't need to. Mm-hmm. But what you can do with workshops is if you're looking to – accelerate your growth as a photographer. I think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. way to accelerate your growth. Absolutely. You know, you can look, you could spend 4,000 hours looking up stuff on, you know, YouTube or online forums or, or Facebook groups, anything that you want, you're going to find the information eventually. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it in an accelerated manner? Right. Not really. You might spend, you know, five mm-hmm. years or whatever, learning right. something that you could have learned in a two or three day workshop or conference. Absolutely. Very easily. Right I've there. been to, I have attended a lot of workshops and I can't tell you, I regret any of them Yeah. because not only have I learned something that I didn't know before getting there, but I met people that were inspiring to me. Uh, this business can be very solitary and lonely if you don't surround yourself with like people. And so I, I think online workshops are great, but I think in-person workshops are fantastic. Yes. And 
you find out that that person that you follow online is probably not a lot like, you know, you, you really get to know people, you know, and now I have some wonderful connections with Sean, with Stephanie, you know, all these people that I connected with first online, but then met in person. And life is about connections. It's about relationships. It's, um, our brains and our hearts are fueled on connections. Yes. Whether it's connecting with clients or it's connecting with other creatives. So I, I think that there's a lot of ways you can build your confidence without just scrolling Instagram. And you 100%. should be building your confidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the studies are coming out of too much time on social media is, is really killing confidence. And so we need to go back to old school. Yeah. So answering the phone, things like that, going to workshops, meeting people, all of that. I love it. As, as we kind of get to the end of the episode, what is one thing that you wish that you had known when you started your business? I always like to end on that question. I wish, let me think for a minute. That's a good question. I tend to be a really type A personality. So when I started my business, I made sure I had all my procedures in place. Um, I, I learned a lot as I went along. I, this is a, you're, this is a tough question. I'm trying to think of what we, my we photography business set myself up for the ability to launch the photo editive. So, so much of my learning came back in 2009 when I launched my photography business. By the time I hit 2016 and launched the photo editive, I had learned a lot of those lessons. So I'm going to go all the way back. Yes, all the way I back wish, to day one. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning because I had learned so much when I launched the photo editive that I felt pretty solid in a lot of my processes. What I didn't have in the beginning was I didn't value myself like I should have. I didn't have processes in place that were going to be crucial to the outcome with clients. So workflows, processes, um, expectations, things like that. I didn't have all of that in the beginning of my photography business. And it took years and workshops to learn how important those processes were and not just from a creativity standpoint. It actually was more from a business standpoint. So I didn't know how much business was going to be needed when I started my photography business. Yep. And I believe I attended a workshop in 2014 or 13. And I came home and like my mind was blown. And I went through a whole revamping of I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this. And I spent the better part of a year putting all those places, all those processes in place, workflows for clients, outsourcing of certain yes. things. Yeah. Um, and I, and I raised my prices and I valued myself and I was scared to death, like scared to death. It could have just completely crashed and burned and it didn't. And I was happier and I got more done and I had more clients because I had a process in place. And so I am a huge, I am so passionate about outsourcing, but that's because it's part of a process. 
And when photographers have workflows and processes in place, the end result is, is so much better. And the clients come. We all tend to go to a grocery store or a cleaner or a restaurant where you know the service is good, the service is quick, and the service is consistent. And I don't think it's any different in our businesses. I agree. And it's all about processes and it's all about workflows and it's about outsourcing. Whatever it means for you, it's about I that. love it. I think that is the perfect way to wrap up the episode. Katie, where can people find you? We are online. Um, it's thephotoeditive.com. Obviously, Instagram, Facebook. You can give us a try for free. So on the website, there's a tab called three for free. You can submit images, um, three images, whether they be raw images or adjusted JPEG images, and I'll return them to you. Um, I appreciate your feedback when you're doing your free images, if they're not quite what you think they should be. Um, I love to hear your feedback. And um, any questions, send me an email. There is a text number on the website. You can text me as well. But I would love to help. I love to help people get control of their processes, learn to outsource because it is a process Um, to learn how to make outsourcing work for them because you are proof as well as many others that when you let go of that, like there's a huge burden lifted off your shoulder, but you have to do it right. Otherwise it can be a bigger burden. A hundred percent. So I appreciate you as a client. I am so happy to be here today. Um, to talk about something that I'm passionate about. I tend to spend a lot of days by myself, so this is really great. Well, you're not done quite yet. I've okay. Got, I always like also ask, the guest gets one question to ask to the audience. So whether you are listening on YouTube, whether you're on the podcast, if you're on YouTube, leave a comment. If you're on the podcast, all you have to do is screenshot this, tag Katie, myself, Senior Style Guide, all those people and answer the question of the day. So you get to ask anything that you want. It can be business related, it can be personal related, it can be stuff that you just want to know, you know, a selfish question, something that you want to pull the audience about, literally anything. So Mm -hmm. this is kind of your time to ask what you want to ask to our listeners. Okay. One question that I've asked on my Instagram quite often, and so I'd love to know people's answer to this, that if somebody handed you 10 to 15 extra hours a month, what would you do with them and why? Perfect. Because I like to hear what people would do with extra time in their life. I think that that's a fantastic, fantastic question. So Katie, thank you so much for, for being on here today. It was a pleasure to have you. I think that your outlook on, you know, how to run a business with outsourcing is refreshing. I think that's something that people get caught up on is they think they have to do everything. And I think that your kind of example that there are tools out there to make it happen and to give you freedom and time back, which is ultimately what it is. Right. I agree. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much. And we'll see Uh you guys on the next episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk Podcast. Have a great day. See you later. Uh, See you later. That wraps it up for this episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk Podcast. We are so excited that you guys are joining us and just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you guys have the option to listen to, and it really means the world that you're joining us and giving us a part of your day and really just joining in on part of the conversation and and the community. 
In addition, make sure that you guys are joining us over on Facebook in the Senior Style Guide group over there, where photographers from all throughout the country contribute, give their input and their advice and their experiences to help other photographers learn and grow. We'd love for you to join us over there as well. So all you have to do is search Senior Style Guide on Facebook, ask to be added to the group, and we'll make sure that you guys get to be a part of the conversation over there. If you haven't had a chance to hit that subscribe button below, please take a second to do that really quick. What that does is it makes sure that you guys keep up to date on all of the content that we're putting out there. We have tons of Real Talk episodes coming to you guys throughout the year from leaders and other photographers that you would love to hear from. So we want to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of that. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. Thank you guys for joining us. And we cannot wait to have you as part of the listening experience for future podcasts. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode and we'll see you around. 